Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Y'all ready to jump in? Right on. So this is a story about when things are going great. And I don't know if you had a hell week or a great week, but I would guess there's some area in your life where you're like, this is going okay. You know, it could be family or it could be financially or it could be with your kids or it could be your sports team because the season hasn't really started yet. Um, I don't know what it is, but we're reading about this guy named David. Somebody say King David. King David was a boss. All right, he wrote a good chunk of the Bible. He's probably the best king that God's kingdom of Israel ever had. He was incredible. And we're gonna read from 2 Samuel 6, 2 Samuel 6. If you have a Bible, you can follow along or you can use the YouVersion app we use. It's a free app. You can go to Ascent Church right here on Sunday and you can click there and you'll have the notes and the scripture. It's pretty cool. But before we go to chapter six, we have to start in chapter five. Chapter five is like a banner chapter for David. Everything incredible happens. It's amazing. Like for example, in just this chapter, here's what happens. Um, He gets married. He has some kids. Pretty cool. He gets anointed king. That's pretty sweet, okay? Um, he beats this group called the Jebusites, enemies, beats them. Um, he beats this group called the Philistines, bam, takes them down too. They are the arch nemesis. So that's a big deal. That's a huge win. And then finally, he talks to God. He prays to God and God talks back. Like imagine one day you're like, God, thank you for today. And God's like, ah, no big deal. And like he's talking and God's talking back. So every area of life is going great, right on. So he has, he has military victories. He's anointed king. Um, if you look at the Hebrew, it also says someone paid for his order at Starbucks. He found $20 on the ground and his fantasy football team won. Okay, I made up those last three, but I think you get the, the gist. Things are going great in all areas. Financially, he's the king. Work-wise, he just beat, you know, he just beat the enemy. You know what I'm saying? Family, he just got married, had kids. Things are great spiritually. He's talking to God. Everything is wonderful. Look at this verse, 2 Samuel 5.10. It says, and David became greater and greater. For the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. That's pretty sweet. There's a lot of bad news in life, a lot of struggles we have. And I know everything's not perfect, but sometimes you have to step back and celebrate what God is doing. But I think there's something David didn't think through that maybe you didn't think through either. Because some of y'all are praying for a change. You're saying it's fall now. I'm going to give this school year to God. I'm gonna, we're really going to be intentional as a family. We're going to go to church or we're going to do this or we're going to do that, or I'm going to get my finances in order, or I'm going to get that promotion, or I'm going to start that business. You've thought about it, but what you didn't think through is this. With greater success comes greater stress. In your mind, you didn't get there, right? In your mind, you're like, my promotion is going to be sweet. I'm going to get paid more. It's going to be great. But you didn't think through all the challenges that would come. You might feel pressure from within you never felt before. Pressure from the outside that you never felt before. Pressure from within, you may feel challenged, stretched, growing all over the place. Pressure from the outside, right? People may come at you. The more you grow, the more you're elevated, the more you rise up. Some people will high five you. Some people will congratulate you, but there will always be a few who will use your current elevated status as an opportunity for easy target practice. Talking smack online. They'd never say it to your face but they'll talk smack online. I wasn't going to include this, but what the hey, right? I was doing a little research for this sermon and there's a lot of pastors I like. One is named Stephen Furtick. And usually when they have a sermon, it'll be his face with a mic and it'll say the title. And I'm doing research and it, it was a YouTube ad, a YouTube suggestion. It said, it said new video. And I looked and it was his face. So I figured it was the sermon that they, maybe from last week. 
and I clicked it and the title was something to the effect of why Stephen Furtick is a liar or everything wrong with Stephen Furtick. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? What is going on? And it was essentially a room full of, someone gasped, I love that. It was essentially just a room full of people talking smack, running their mouth. I watched about 10 seconds of it and got sick because I wanted to come at each of them. I shouldn't say that, but I did because they would never say it to his face. And scripture is very clear that you shouldn't do that, but it's easy to sit in a room with locked doors, make a little YouTube video on why you suck, why I'm better than you and put it online. That's the world we live in. And I don't know if that bothers him or if he laughs at it, but the reality is um, one of y'all may get to the point someone makes a YouTube video about you and they plan their day around talking smack about you. You may love it. You may hate it. It's like this. Congrats. You got the promotion. Well, you're about to feel stress that you've never felt before. Congratulations. You expanded your business. It's growing well. You got to keep in mind, you're about to feel a burden that you've never quite felt before. Congratulations. You're having some kids. You're about to never sleep again. (laughs) We're celebrating. We're happy. All right. I wish you could store up sleep, right? And just bank it and then take it. I'm sorry. I see see some folks expect it. I love you. I'm just keeping it real. It's coming. It's it's coming. It's coming. All right. So all these great things happen. David's on cloud nine. God is with him. Everything's great. Let's see what happens. The next chapter Two Samuel six. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, about 30,000, small party, just 30K, no big deal. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim, the angels on the ark. What is happening? All this great stuff happens. We're celebrating, we're excited. God's moving. He's given us victories and land and we have a new king. Everything's great. And the climax is this, we're gonna bring the ark into the capital city. Now, when I was growing up, I thought Ark of the Covenant was the same as like Noah's Ark. Different. I was confused a long time. Okay. This is something different. But what, what's, what's the big deal? What, what is this thing? Why is this the climax? Why is this the trophy? Why is there so much excitement? Where you need to look is, um, well, let me give you a reference that you might understand. Have, has your team ever won the championship, the Super Bowl? Do we have any Eagles fans? Look at this. They're fired up. That's what David and his boys were doing. They're celebrating. I don't know if they had buses or confetti. Probably not, but they were having a blast. I think we have another photo too. I mean, just crazy. So they are celebrating. They're bringing the ark. They're not bringing the trophy. They're bringing the ark, this thing, this object. They're bringing it in. They're celebrating. Do we have any Patriots fans? Okay, I was gonna show, I was gonna show y'all a clip. I couldn't find a photo without Gronk. With Gronk shirtless, chugging a beer. I couldn't find it. I tried for a, a long time and I thought maybe it's not church appropriate, but Gronk has a good time. He was having a blast. He was having, I don't know what kind of party this was, but they were having a party. So what's the ark? Who cares? What's happening? Let's go back to Exodus. So hundreds of years before God says, you're going to build this thing called the ark. It's going to represent my presence. I'm going to somehow dwell with this. We don't quite understand it, but I'm trying to show, God's trying to show his people, I want to dwell with you. I want to walk with you. And so I'm going to make this thing called the ark and we're going to meet there, right on. God says, this is how to, this is how you should make it. Actually, let's show him a picture first. This is from Indiana Jones. Y'all know Indy? Y'all know Indy, that's Indy. The most important thing is the poles. Say poles. The poles are the most important piece. See how they're carrying it? You do not touch the ark. That's important. You use the poles. We have another picture too. 
right here. You see the poles once again. It was gold. It was heavy. The priests were supposed to carry it, but they weren't supposed to touch it. Are you supposed to touch it? Thank you. You guys are listening. You're not supposed to touch it. You're supposed to use the poles. The Ten Commandments were kept there. It's where God met the people. It's a cool thing. Let's see how God described how they should build this thing. Exodus 25, 14. God's telling them how to make it. He said, you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed from it. Do you see how much we hear about the poles? God hasn't even said what this thing's for. He didn't even said the purpose. He said, build this thing, start with the poles. Don't forget the poles. That's how you're going to carry it. Did you know God might put something in your life and he may tell you how to carry it before he reveals its purpose. God may have put someone difficult in your life and God has kind of shown you, you need to walk with this person, live with this person, carry this person, help this person, but he hasn't shown the purpose yet. God could have given you a weird gift or a crazy story or a struggle that won't go away. God can sometimes place something in your life and says, you need to go carry that. Carry it, use it, walk with it. And you might say, well, God, what's the purpose? Why do I have that struggle? Why did I have that childhood? What, what's, what's the purpose of it? You have to carry it first. God says it's, it's, it's important. We know how to carry it, how to walk with it, how to deal with it before I even reveal its purpose. Now we get to the purpose. 17, this is why we're making this. He says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Somebody say bling, bling. Somebody say money ain't a thing. All right, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. Here's the point. There I will meet with you. I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. Here's the point. This is where mankind and God are gonna meet. God says, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. But in order to show that, I want you to create this thing called the ark. I want you to walk with it. I want you to carry it. And when God's people were going up to the promised land, they had to carry this thing through the desert all the way. It was heavy. It was big. It was cumbersome. And here is the tension of the entire Bible. The biggest tension is how can a holy, good, all-powerful, righteous God dwell among a sinful people? How can this perfect, infinite being walk and live and dwell among us? Because we all have a past. We all make mistakes. We all have issues. How can this perfect being dwell among us? God is showing something. He said, we need a process. We need a mediator. We need an in-between. The ark is the representation of that. Something you could see. Something you could walk with. It's with you, but you can't touch it. You see, God is just too holy. God made a way for us to carry his presence with us. God gave us the poles. He gave us the poles. He found a way for him to walk with us and to live with us. He gave us the poles. Let's see what happens. Verse three. So don't forget what's happening. We're having a parade. We're raging. We're looking like Philly. We're celebrating God's moving. Everyone's cheering and dancing and having a good time. And they said, let's bring out the ark, right? This is what happens. They set the Ark of God on a new cart. Wait, is that? Maybe that's wrong. Let me start over. They set the Ark of God on a new cart. What about the poles? I just wouldn't shut up about the poles. I told you we carry it by the poles. You're supposed to use the poles. It said don't separate it from the poles. What happened to the poles? They put it on a cart. Ooh, but it's a new cart. It's a brand new fancy cart. No, no, no. It's built 
with poles into it. It's very clear. There's a huge handle on it. There's a huge strap. But for whatever reason, they put it in a new cart. It's like a wheelbarrow. Anybody have one? Well, I'll be. Look what's over here. God said, I'm going to make you this nice thing, this fancy thing. And you know what? I'm going to even give you a way to carry it, a way to use it. And God's people said, no, that's good. We got a cart. I don't care if it's a new cart or an old cart. God's people said, we don't need any of that, God. We have a cart. We have a cart. We don't need your way. We don't need your process. We have a wheelbarrow right here. We'll be good. Now, keep in mind what was attached to it were the poles. The ark's in there. The poles are next to it. They said, ah, the cart's fine. Cart's fine. No big deal. Let's move it. Let me start that over. They set the ark of God on a new cart. It was brand new. And brought it from the house of Abinadab. Somebody say Abinadab. Abinadab. Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab. Um, someone keeps saying no. Yes, okay, I'm going to keep doing it if you keep saying no. We're guiding a new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. All their might with with harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. So they're moving through. Everyone's dancing. 30,000 of them didn't think. What are these poles for? What's the point? No, no, no. It's cool. We're moving it through. We're moving it through. We're moving it through. The oxen stumbled. Okay. Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. It trips. It's going to fall. Dude grabs it. Reaction, right? Pretty normal. Like that's what I would do. It's gold. It's expensive. He grabs it ready for the awkward part. It says the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there before or beside the ark of God. Somebody say, well, that's awkward. What a terrible end to a party. What a terrible end to a parade. We're celebrating God's good. He's faithful. He's moving. Dude just did what any of us would do. He reached out to grab it. He's trying to help. Gone. Somebody say, he gone. He gone. He gone. That's awkward. It's like he got zapped. Zapped. Somebody zap your neighbor. Zap him. Zap. Zap. Y'all don't like this very much. You're being really boring. Zap him. He got zapped. He got zapped. What is the point? What is happening? What is God doing? Let's, let's break it down. So here's what happened. This very important thing was supposed to be cared for and protected. It was supposed to be carried, not even touched. And they threw it in a wheelbarrow. They just threw it in a cart. Um, this is kind of a crude analogy, but follow me on this. Um, imagine if you saw a down power line. You ever seen one of those? Imagine you see this, okay? And you're with your boys and you say, hey guys, watch this. Okay, nothing good has ever happened after that sentence. <laughs> ever. But let's say you try to jump it or touch it or do something silly and you get zapped. Let me ask you, would you blame the power line? No. Is anyone here pale? Like real pale? Like my man Hunter, are you in the back, Hunter? Hunter's, where's my little, my favorite ginger in the back? He's, he's on the camera, okay? He's pale, pale, pale. Like ghostly white. But my, I'm not going to stop. Um, if my man went to the beach, okay, and he was on the beach for 12 hours and he forgot his SPF, he probably has SPF 100 at home. 
SPF inside, SPF, don't, SPF January. Whatever that is, he has at home. I'm so sorry. He's such a great guy. Um, if, if he, he's running the camera, so he can't do a thing. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. I could go all day. Uh, if, if, he, if he left the SPF at home and he got burned by the sun, do we have a photo of the sun? I mean, look at the sun. Okay, that's the sun up close. If, if you got burned by the sun, okay, would you blame the sun? Mean sun, bad sun. Why would the sun do that? No, no, no. The sun is a powerful thing. We have to respect the order. God is powerful. God created that. He created a lot more than that sun, okay? And if God says, look, I'm gonna give you a boundary. I want you to respect that. There's consequences if we break it. Because none of this would have happened if the boundaries had been respected. They carried it with the poles like they were supposed to. None of this would have happened. It's just the facts. Did you know God sets boundaries? Now I'm about to make everyone mad, but I don't mind. It's fun. The series is, well, that's awkward. The, the, the reality is, is God gives us boundaries. And when we don't respect them, we can get ourselves in trouble. You won't hear this anywhere this week. Our society is so over this, but God says sex is for the covenant of marriage. That's what he said. God created it. If he creates it, he can say what it's for, what it's not for. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but the reality is God does love you. He does want what's best for you. And he's not trying to steal fun or take it away. No, no, no. He created this thing and he says, it's for the covenant of marriage. And I know so many people who have been hurt emotionally, physically, right on for years, crumpled, because I knew he was the one. I've only known him 10 days, but I knew he was the one. I knew he was, I just, I, you know, his Instagram was on point. He said he had a promotion coming up. I just knew he was the one. And if that's your story, God can redeem that. I'm not saying, you know, but the reality is this. God says, look, is, is that the best idea? I know so many people who've said, hey, I'm excited about this. We're going to move in. I know it's been 10 days. Okay, nine. But you know what? I think this is a good idea. They just had a feeling. Y'all, when the boundary is breached, there's potential for disaster. I didn't say there's disaster. I said there's potential for disaster relationally, emotionally, physically. God gives us a good thing. Sex. Like Skittles. Wonderful. And rather than treating it the way we're supposed to, we throw it in the cart. It's fine. It's not a big deal. God gives us good things. For example, God gives you probably money. Maybe you have a job, maybe you have an income. He gives you money. But part of that is we're supposed to use some of that to serve others, to give to the church, to give to the poor. And this is not a, you should give to the church thing. But the reality is this, I guarantee you, you will be happier. You'll be more joyful. You'll be less selfish if you give some of your money away to something that you're passionate about and something you care about. God says, I want to bless you. But some of that needs to go to help the homeless. It needs to help widows and orphans and the hungry. That's one of the points I'm blessing you with. You need to realize money fights and money problems are the number one cause of conflict and divorce in America. The number one. And I know so many people who say, well, I'll give when I get my money right. I don't think your money will ever be right unless you start giving now. You're trying to do this big part of your life. Finances are important. They're huge. You're trying to live your life. This is your finances. You're saying, God, don't touch it. I got this. Don't get involved. Don't touch it. I can handle this. And as a result, you're sinking. As a result, you're sinking. You need God's hand on your finances. Finances are tough. Life is hard. The world is scary. And in order to have a healthier marriage, to be a less selfish person, giving is something you should do. God gives us 
good things like these life savers, gummy sours. Lord, I want to break into these. He gives us a good thing, but rather than treat it the way he's supposed to, hey, you gave me an income. I should give it to the poor. I should give it to the church. We just throw it in the cart. We just throw it in the cart. Another good thing that God gives us is community, like these delicious Sour Patch Kids. Oh, Lord, they got new flavors or something. I want this. I want it now, but I'm going to wait a little bit. But the reality is I know so many Christians who say, I don't need a community. I don't need to go to church. I'll listen online. That's fine. And we all miss. We, I mean, we have a podcast. We have that stuff. I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but the reality is God says you were built for community. God gave you a community. Right on. When the going gets tough, when you do get sick, when you do lose your job, when you do move, it's really nice to have people to fall back on. When you're sick, when there's a pregnancy, when some, some people to come around you, to pray for you, to love you, to give you meals, to have your back. So many of us think we can just do it ourselves. God gives us a gift, but we throw it in the cart. This is when you might not think, but God says you need to rest. God commanded you to rest. He didn't say, oh, if you get around to it, no, 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 we, we break this all the time. We don't rest because we have these things called smartphones. Remember technology? This is going to make our lives so much easier and more efficient. Bull. Now we can just work anywhere. We can work anywhere. So we work everywhere. During dinner, oh, the, 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 the kids are in bed. I can work a little bit. No, 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 we don't rest as we should. It affects our marriage. It affects our health. We're overweight. We don't exercise. We don't eat right because we don't have time to make a meal. We got to get fast food. We're in a hurry. We've got a lot of stuff going on. God gives us a gift. These delicious Starburst minis that are unwrapped. Oh, Lord. You can just pour them in my mouth. But we don't treat it with the proper boundaries. We throw it in the cart. You see, there are consequences if we cross God's boundaries. He tells us ahead of time, but we still do whatever we want. We choose to ignore him. All of us, all of you have something in your life. That God's given you, and he said there's a purpose to it, but you aren't treating it the way it's supposed to be used. You're ignoring it. You're just throwing it in the cart. You're subverting God's purpose for that thing. It could be one of these. Maybe God gave you a gift. Maybe you're very smart, or maybe you're a good writer, or maybe you're passionate with the homeless. God gave you a gift, and he wants you to, he wants you to use that gift to build up the church to bless other people. You're more happy, you're more fulfilled, and you actually are helping. But we don't use our gifts. We throw them in the cart. We're too busy. We have too much going on. God gave you an income. And part of that, like I said, was to bless the poor, bless widows and orphans, bless those who are struggling, help the church out, help marriages be, be brought together, raise people, raising kids and raising students to know the love of Jesus Christ and to give them a community. But we said, ah, we'll give when things are a little better. Maybe next month, maybe next year. I would bet God gave you a passion. I would bet there's some that sets your soul on fire. Maybe it is the church or missions or the homeless. Start serving with 99 for the one. Get involved at church. Google what you're passionate about. Some of y'all, your animal lovers, serve the community in some way. But we don't use that for what God gave it. We just throw it in the cart. We're too busy. We got too much going on. We don't have time for that. You might not think of this one, but God has given many of you a platform, meaning an opportunity to speak into someone else's life whether it's social media or at work or at school or at preschool or in the military, whatever it is, God's given you a voice. People trust you, people respect you. And often God wants you to use that for his glory and for their good. But we often don't use it. We often throw it in the cart. Let's see what happens as a result of these things, of these boundaries being breached. Eight, remember they were partying. There was a celebration. They were raging. They were having fun. Then David was angry. 
because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, this place is called Perez Uzzah, which means lashing out against Uzzah. The breaching of boundaries leads to tension. It leads to hesitation. Look, David was afraid. They were joyful. They were celebrating. They were having a blast. Now he's angry. Now he's afraid. Okay. He was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He's feeling the pressure. Sometimes when God gives you something that's a challenge, you say, can I handle that? Parenting sounds hard. Twin sounds like too much. That promotion, I feel like I'm in over my head. It's natural to have hesitations. He's feeling the pressure. 10, he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So he's afraid, he's angry. Now he's a coward. He said, I don't even want want it in my same city. Give it to that guy. And David's the king. So this poor dude, whoever this is, had to take it. You ever notice in your life, one little error will lead to another error, which will lead to another error, which means you need to cover that up, which means you make another mistake, which means that's what David's doing. He's unraveling. He's unraveling. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David said, huh. David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Just because things didn't work out in the past means they're they're always going to be that way. Just because God said, go right, and you went left, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Just because your marriage is on the rocks, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Just because your finances are stressing you out, and you can't sleep at night, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Just because you don't feel like you have a relationship with your children, or your family, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. If you're not dead, you're not done. God has a plan for you. He is a God of grace and redemption and second chances. Somebody get excited about that. You see, David knew that. It took him three months. It may take you three months. It may take you three weeks. It may take you three years. He was angry. He was afraid. He was a coward. And then he said, look, my God is good. God blessed this guy. He said, wait a second. I forgot. My God is good. He is a God of love and hope and second chances. You know what? I'm going to go back. And he starts rejoicing. He starts rejoicing. Look at David this time. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. When they were carrying, oh, my Lanta, carrying, they figured it out. The cart is gone. They're carrying it because you were supposed to carry it like this. You hooked it and you carried it. Or you could be a baller and hook it like this, right on. You hook that thing up, do a little leg day. Where are my CrossFitters at? Come on, I see you, big Kansas. They were carrying it. They were treating the thing with the proper respect. The whole idea is this. Uzzah should have never been in that position in the first place. He should have never been there. This whole thing could have been avoided. And some of you, just like David, some of you need to start again. Maybe your relationship needs a reboot or it's a new school year. You say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my kids more. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to invest in them more. We're going to make church a priority. Maybe it is your finances. You say, look, we're going to start budgeting and planning and saving, and we're going to figure this out. We're going to get a hold of this. Notice what David did before they even really got moving. They stopped and they dedicated something to God. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do this school year. You need to stop before it gets busy, before it gets crazy, before things start spiraling out of control. You know how busy life is. You need to hit time out, gather as a family and say, hey, let's dedicate this year to God. 
Let's dedicate our weekend to God. Let, let's, let's do things a little differently. 14, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. He got his joy back. While he and all Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord up with shouts and sound of trumpets and the floss dance. They were celebrating. They were partying. They were having fun. They were excited because the party wasn't over. I came to tell somebody it's not over. Some of y'all think your marriage is done. I came to tell you it's not over. Some of you think that diagnosis is going to bury you. I came to tell you it's not over. Some of you are so fearful that God is mad at you or that he hates you or he doesn't want to know you. I came to tell you it's not over. David went from joy to fear and hiding back up to joy and he can do the same in your life. That is our God. That is who he is. If we can recap, the main question was how can a holy God, how can a good God, how can a powerful God live among a sinful people? And we saw what happened with Uzzah. Uzzah, Uzzah, that illustration was trying to show us something. The reality is this, when we breach the boundary, there are consequences. And the, com- the consequence of that breach was death. But God loved you so much. He sent his only son into this world, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, died the perfect death. He lived in our place. He died in our place. He took the full weight and the full punishment of sin on his head so that you and I can be forgiven and be loved and that we can stand freely in God's presence. That's what Jesus did. You need to realize Jesus Christ breached every boundary. He didn't just breach one. He went from being eternal to being within time. He went from being the almighty uncreated creator of the universe to, you know what, to being a little baby born in a manger. He went, he went from being in a place where nothing could hurt him to being hung up on a cross. Jesus Christ breached every boundary for me and for you to bring us close so that he could dwell with us and so that we can dwell with him. That's what he did. But that's not my favorite part of the story. You see, all throughout, we see God telling us, look, I'm gonna provide these poles. I'm gonna provide these beams. These beams are gonna bring us close. They're gonna be a vacation wood. It was the strongest wood they had. You're gonna carry these poles. You're gonna carry these beams. You can't touch them, but you know what? You're gonna carry these and this is gonna represent my presence. That I'm with you. That I'm walking with you. That I have your back. When Jesus Christ came, the same was true. God said, I'm gonna use two pieces of wood to bring my people close. They weren't arranged like this. They weren't arranged like this. They were actually arranged like this. These poles are made of acacia wood. The strongest that they could get their hands on. Do you know what the Romans used for their crosses? Archaeologists dug up a guy who was crucified and they looked at his feet where a giant nail had gone through it and a little chunk of wood was left. A little chunk of wood and they looked at that chunk of wood and they looked at it and you know what kind of wood it was? It was acacia wood. The same type of wood that God said thousands of years before, look, this wood is going to allow me to walk with you. These two poles, these two beams, that's how I'm going to walk with you. That's how my presence is going to be with you. That's how we're going to meet. Thousands of years later, the same type of wood was nailed into a cross. And the incarnate son of God was nailed to it. So that we didn't have to carry this heavy object, but no, we would have unlimited, no matter what access to God the Father. It's all about the cross. It's all about the cross. Our God is so good. Our God is so loving that he breached every 
boundary for me and for you so that we may have relationship with him and that nothing can stop us from walking with him and him with us forever. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you tore down every single barrier. God, I thank you that you breached every boundary. God, to bring us home. To bring us home. God, I thank you that your word is so clear that you were going to use two poles, two beams of acacia wood to bring us close. In thousands of years, you did it. You hung your son up there who took the full weight of sin and death upon his shoulders so that we may have access to you. And Father God, this was a sermon on second chances. God, if anyone here in the sound of my voice can honest to God say, I need a second chance. I need a, a thousandth chance. I've blown it so many times with God, with my family, with myself. You may be thinking God doesn't want anything to do with you. I came to tell you that is a lie. God loves you. He's passionate about you. He loves you so much. And he breached every barrier to reach out to you, to put his hand on your shoulder and to bring you home. If anyone here in the sound of my voice, if you would honestly say, I'm not a Christian, I do not know God, I don't have a relationship with God. If you would like to know him today, you simply must invite him into your heart. Simply pray this prayer after me, not out loud, but silently between yourself to God with every head down and all eyes closed. Simply pray, say, Father God, I want to know you. Father God, I repent. I turn from running my life and God, I'm asking you to run it. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I thank you that you went through every barrier. God, that you got zapped. Jesus, that you took the full weight of sin and death upon your head so that I may be free. So that I may be in your arms. And Father God, I love you. I need you and I want you in my life. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.